Right, sound test. Just uh, make a noise. ABC, one, two, three. Cool. Alright, hello. Uh, welcome to episode four. Yeah, episode four of the Grumpy Biker Show. Um, Dad, good afternoon. How are you doing? Yeah, good mate. Good mate. Had a good week? Um, yeah, yeah. Been quite productive. Got a little jobs done and yeah, it's been good. Um, Saturday. What a day. Oh, epic. Pretty awesome, wasn't it? Um, so yeah, Saturday morning, we went down to DWR, Dave Ward Racing. And yeah, we had the Millie um, on the dyno, which was pretty awesome, wasn't it? Um, so before we sort of talk about this so the dyno let's explain the purpose of the dyno so the dyno is a rolling road which tests torque and brake horsepower of your bike effectively yeah yes correct yeah obviously the purposes of going to the dyno is the the guys there the technicians will dial in your kind of fuel and air mix and your power delivery with the aim to give you a nice um, a nice kind of linear power delivery a nice rounded flat torque curve and obviously it can give you the output from that. So with the Millie, with the race bike, it's obviously been into AP workshops, um, had a bit of work done. We've had a, a, an exhaust collector mod, open airbox mod, race chip, and the power commander fitted. So the power commander, correct me if I'm wrong, the power commander just basically bypasses the ECU and allows you to download kind of custom or input custom and, and programmed mapping for your fuel air delivery. About right? Uh, yeah. Uh, it's along those lines. <clears throat> the main reason that the power commander came into being was every manufacturer gets emission tested at around 4,500 RPM. It might be slightly different these days. And so what they do is actually build, uh, they'd lean it off at around the RPM um, to get through the emissions. And what the power commander does is actually put that back in. So you've got a, a lovely linear curve all the way up to peak power. So they're, they're very good. They just sort of put back what the manufacturers took out of the, the power delivery. And you, you'd feel that on your bike, a bit of a flat spot around that, that sort of RPM. Um, and they just they just put it back in. So, yeah, they're, they're good things. And they've got better... I think we're on to about Power Commander 5 now. Yeah. Like that. yeah. Well, we saw on the Millie that the power delivery at about 7,000 RPM had a really big kind of dip, a really big dip. So I, I, what we saw from the first run to the second run and to the third, fourth, fifth, that had been flattened out. So Dave and, and Dave Jr. basically doled in the fuel in, so I've got a lovely power delivery now. Um, but really pleased, to be fair, I think it was... In the booth, it was about 37 degrees at the time, wasn't it? So they did say that, you know, the reading's probably a little bit down on reality. Um, but blue 123 at the wheel on the milli. Um, yeah, really, really pleased with that. But more more so than that top-end peak power, that power delivery curve now is really linear. No flat spots, no dips. And in and around kind of seven, seven and a half thousand revs on the B-twin, I'm spending a lot of the time on track, kind of in and around that rev range. You know, that's really where it's picking up out the corner um, and delivering the power down for a lot of the time. So I'm really pleased with that. Obviously, I mean, you've known Dave for donkey's years anyway, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. We 
We built his first engine when he first started racing, yeah. An, an RD engine? An LC. An LC. Yeah, yeah. But somebody else built him one initially when he started. <coughs> and uh, I, I won't know names. It wasn't really up to scratch. So he came and approached me and Carla. So we said, we'll, we'll put you a motor together. And we've been friends ever since. So it was great to, to catch up with him. I think the last time I saw him was something like, 2007 up at Knockhill in Scotland um, and I just walked into his awning hey up Woody bloody hell Andy Madden so yeah so it's nice to catch up with him on Saturday give me a big bear hug didn't yeah you? it was good awesome. now we're allowed to hug um, yeah <laughs> so but Dave went on to be after racing LCs he went on to be British Superbike privateer champion didn't he which is, I mean, that's real serious big time racing. And then I think he, did you say, he won the KTM Power Cup? The RCA The Cup, RCA yeah. Cup, yeah. Any, um, any funny stories with Dave through your racing days? Uh, <laughs> one springs to mind, which he actually reminded me of last Saturday. Um, we were at Snetterton and it was a non-championship race. It was a trophies race. I wouldn't have done it in the championship race, but... <laughs> I'd, uh, I got a good toe off him, um, off a Sears, down onto Revit Strait. And uh, it was always a bit of a standing joke with the old Sears. You'd take a good book to read down the back straight. Um, I think we we topped out at about 110 in back, back there. And I got a good good slipstream on him, good toe. Got up the side, got alongside him, <laughs> turned his kill switcher. <laughs> <laughs> You've never seen a ball go backwards so fast in all your life. And um, he came around to see me after the race, and a few expletives, but he did say the funny side. And uh, yeah, he um, he said to his mate, he said, <laughs> on Saturday, he said, yeah, this knobhead, I can still remember him from Snetterton. So oh, thanks, Dad, I'll take that. But uh, yeah, bloody good rider. Well, yeah, evidently Absolutely so. fearless, yeah. I mean, that... Um... Things like it makes me laugh. These tales from the racing stuff. Can you imagine doing something like that now, even on a track day? You'd be bloody black flag for life, wouldn't yeah. you? They'd never let you back. Um, but no, I really enjoyed it. It was really good. Um, yeah, Dave's an awesome guy. Um, and yeah, really, really beneficial use of a of a few quid to go and get it dialed in. I mean, in terms of return on performance for money, I cross. We were there for a couple of. We had the, each bike on the in the booth for about an hour. Um, yeah, well worth the money. So yeah, anybody that wants it or is um interested in, in getting the best, you know, in terms of delivery from the bike, definitely we would recommend DWR racing or DWR Dino. It's down in uh, Buckingham, wasn't it? Yeah, Buckingham, yeah. Awesome, yeah, really good. Um tell what was terrifying. Obviously the Million um blew about one twenty three at the wheel, top end. Obviously our mate Tom, one one of my oldest mates in the world, Tom, um, has the KTM Super Duke. 1290 a couple of years old after a bit of tweaking with the power uh, with the fuel delivery um what do you play 173 at the wheel 173 at the back Jesus. Yeah. well on the way home obviously we rode the bikes home not the milli the, the road bike i'll come back to that um at one point we pulled off on a dual carriageway empty road in front of us picked the wheel up in first then again in second then again in third then about two or three inches again in fourth so yeah, definite bang for the book from uh, from DWR. Well recommended. So also on that, 
and also, oh, sorry, Joe. I, I was watching Young Young Dive Woods Donna in Tom's Kite Air, and um, the noise it's quite a loud bark, isn't it? But uh, I, I watched him at some point, and Young Dive got off the seat and sat on the plastic seat unit to stop the wheel from spinning on the door <laughs> and actually lighting the wheel up. Uh, yeah, somebody kicked that KTM. Yeah. Very, very quick bike. Um, oh, that was Saturday morning, which was good, uh, really good. And then obviously from there, we headed a bit further south into West London and picked up my new road bike, which I'm very, very excited about. So we spoke about it on the last episode. Um, since then, the Tuono has sold. Um, really lovely guy, Bill quite involved in the Aprilia network. He actually used to test ride for two wheels only um, back in the day. So a pretty good rider. Lovely, lovely guy. He came and picked the Tuono up, which is for his son. Um, so we headed down into West London and, yeah, went to see it. The Duke, the uh, the 848 Street Fighter. Absolutely gorgeous. Ealing. Yeah, Ealing it was. Yeah, yeah. West London Ealing. Rather posh. Yeah, nice area. Um, but yeah, the, the street fighter, mate. Wow. Um, bit, bit of a drama collecting it. Uh, it took us a while, didn't it? Unfortunately, my, uh, my bank wasn't happy with me making a payment of my own money to somebody else. So I was on hold for about an hour waiting for the bloody security checks and whatever else, but got there in the end and rode it back. So yeah, I want to give a bit of a mini review on the street fighter on the 848, um, Start with the good. So what I found really interesting, you know, it's a V-twin. It delivers the power like a V-twin. You know, it, it's, it gives you some from quite low down in the rev range. But interestingly, and, and where it's totally different to the Mille, the power delivery seems to go on for a lot longer. It seems to rev for longer and deliver power for longer. The Mille is a little bit, you know, it, it will go from pretty down low, but it's all a bit bang and you've, you've got everything from it. The Duke, much more sophisticated in terms of the way it gives the power down. Revs for longer, pulls for longer. Um, sounds fantastic with those Terminioni shotgun cans on. Sounds absolutely wonderful. But yeah, power delivery, excellent. Do you know what I found really strange? I said it's a bit more sophisticated. Do you know what's really odd? Um, we were kind of, you know, tootling back, but no, nothing too silly on a new bike and everything else. I'd be sitting thinking we were pottering along at about 60 and I'd look down at the speedo and we're doing, well, without incriminating ourselves, a lot more than 60. It's really, really comfortable with the speed. I really, calm's the wrong word. It's, you know, far from calm, but really comfortable at speed. It's really planted, really happy and, and you know, really, really kind of steady. The, um, the Tuono... Anything over three figures, like it's pandemonium. You know, you know you're doing that speed. It's, you know, it's almost a bit chaotic, and the wind blast is pretty extreme. There's nothing on the front of the do. There's no wind split or anything like that. But yet, really, really planted at speed. Really calm, really comfortable, and really happy with the speed. Um, handling, because it's a bit lower. Um, the centre of gravity is a bit lower. It's a slightly shorter wheelbase. Handling, fantastic, mate. Turns really nicely. Again, it's really comfortable. It's quite eager to tip in. You know, it's happy at lean. 
Um, so really happy on that front. Looks wise, oh, I think it's stunning it's for a nice. naked. Yeah, I think it's absolutely gorgeous for a naked. It's really weird, you know. They discontinued the eight four eight fighter after about four years. It was never very popular, brand new. Which the the only thing I can think of is that it must have been price. What came after it? The Panagale? Yeah, so they ran with the 1098 Street Fighter for a while. Right. And then the, the next iteration of it was the Panagali, the V4 <laughs> Fighter, which I think is a bit more popular. But I can only think it's price. Um, it, it will have been undoubtedly at the top end of the price range for those hyper nakeds at the time. And at the time, you could have probably bought, you know, a GSX-1000, a CV-1000, Z-1000 for probably cheaper than the 848 do. But... I'm happy. Performance-wise, yeah, it's fantastic, mate. Um, I like the tech, traction control, fully adjustable. Really interestingly, on the way back from London, I could really feel it, and it was almost like a misfire, and it's flashing on the dash, which I was a bit worried about, but a, a quick fiddle about with it showed that it was on the full traction control. So what that was doing, if I was putting a lot of load in through the throttle and it's trying to deliver close to full power at the back wheel... I think whenever there was any slight indication of loss of traction, it was just cutting the ignition and, you know, killing the power delivery. So quick fiddle about with that, dialed it back down to, I think, number two of eight. And, yeah, not an issue at all now. Um, well, sorry to interrupt, Joe. When we were down there chatting to the guy, I mean, he was a, a property developer, stroke estate agent, probably not got much... And a Bitcoin, mi Bitcoin miner. Yeah. Remember, oh, a Bitcoin. Which I don't think either of us really know what that is. No, nah, but sounds might, cool. Yeah, I think you just mine bitcoins. Well, you do, but you don't. I mean, you, you, it's no shovels involved. You're on a PC, apparently. No, well, I, I don't know. We'll get moaned at for yeah, talking yeah. subjects other than bikes. But it, no, I'll, when he was trying to explain to us, oh, I'm not sure what's going on, but the lights keep flashing, and I thought, I, I guess at the time. I thought you you don't know what you're doing with the traction control, and you probably inadvertently click 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 click, set it on the most sensitive. Yeah. Um, and he sort of didn't disagree really. He didn't seem quite sure. Yeah, yeah. So it was an easy fix. Just one instead of on eight, put it down to two, and you you got less um, intrusion then. But when you left our house, when we got back to to Tamworth. Uh, and I listened to you go up the road and I thought, yeah, it's it's on the, the highest yeah. intrusion because you could hear it like, but, 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 and you're well, only riding up the road. So. I think that the full setting on it, that's obviously designed for like wet riding because you know, yeah. even in a straight line, you don't really want to be delivering full power to the back wheel if it's wet, do you? So No, that'd be really bad condition yeah. if you'd set it at that. But, uh... um, but no, mate, once it was dialed down, we had a wonderful ride back. Um, yeah, you know, A-Roads all the way. Obviously, you very kindly brought the van back. with oh, um, a cracking run on the M4. Yeah, so, you have a nice yeah. run up, yeah. Yeah. Um, with, with the millie in the back. With the other white men, white man vans. Yeah. But no, really pleased with the ride back. Um, bad points. There are some. Um, firstly, the riding position. The, the stock bars were very narrow, um, very low rise and quite a lot of sweep. So what I found was it was nudging back towards a sports bike riding position, um, very down low and, and very heavy on the wrists. Um, 
not an issue. You know, I've replaced the bars now. I've gone for some Ren Renthal Fat Boys, which give me a with with slightly less sweep and a bit more rise. I've got about an, an extra inch of ride height and about an inch of width on the bars, so that's resolved that um, front end and, and weight through the wrist now. Not an issue at all. My only other little niggle, and I remember this from riding your eleven ninety eight. Because of the, I mean, if you look at the shape of the bike, it's very aggressively styled. Mm. You know, if you look at it next to even the Tuono, the, the side profile, it looks the absolute dogs. It's, you know, it's arse up, head down with some upright bars. The Tuono's a bit flatter. The only little niggle then I've got, the the actual seat pad um, is quite aggressively sloped forwards. Yeah, I thought that when I was sat it slides you into the tank, well, doesn't it? And, and as yeah. men, we know that when you're sliding forward on a seat, two things are going to meet. Yeah. One is the tank, and the other is your bloody knackers. So it's not a major issue. It's okay if I'm in my leathers um, and we're on a decent ride, but I've, I've been to work for a couple of days in jeans. I'm just slipping forward down the seat a bit. So I might look into aftermarket seat cover, maybe, something a bit grippier. Um, but aside from that, mate, yeah, I really can't fault it. The um, the Brembo brakes, as they are on anything I've ridden with Brembos, are absolutely fantastic. Loads of feel. Um, suspension's great. I am probably going to get it set up um, for me and for my weight. But all round, yeah, really happy, mate. I'm delighted with it. I've got to say as well, Joe, the colour, I think, is stunning. That sold it for me pretty well. You know, you know first impressions and... You'd show me the photographs. Photographs never do justice to a, a colour scheme. The, the only way I could describe it is it's a, a like a pearlescent yellow, but it's almost bordering on gold. Yeah. It's close. Um, I don't know what the actual, what do cats actually call it, but I, I just thought, and there's no graphics and bloody lightning strikes going on. It's just... One colour with Ducati in little black letters. It's gorgeous. You don't need anything else. When you when you get the colour out, it's uh, stunning. Well, it's um, you know it's a controversial topic, isn't it? And a lot of the Ducati purists would probably turn their nose up at a yellow bike. But I'm with you, mate. You know, I really liked it. And yeah. Do you know what? Part of it was was by default because there were very few available for sale um, mm. in the right price range with the right mileage, with everything I wanted with it. Um, but yeah, I like it's like a yeah, like a deep, almost bronzy yellow pearlescent, and it's I mean the bike itself's in immaculate condition, absolutely oh. immaculate condition. So yeah, in summary, really, really pleased. Um, I can only think they were too expensive new, and that's why they weren't so popular. But I'm delighted with it, mate. It's quoted about one hundred thirty-two brake at the rear wheel. Well, also um, as well, Joe. I think it was the next day we went out for a ride, didn't we? We went Sunday. Yeah, and um, we hit one of our little bits of dual carriage way uphill, <clears throat> and uh, Joe's in front of me. You you drop the hammer, gone. I'm on my V four Tuono, thinking, I'll, you know, I should pull him in quite comfortably. Yeah, weren't the case, mate. I was closing, but it wasn't rapid amount, so it it picks its skirts up very well. Yeah, um, I'm delighted with the performance while yeah. it. And for me, you know, we've had this conversation. I honestly think you could get out on a bike on the road, somewhat relatively new, with 50-odd brake, and it'll give you enough. You're still going to be quicker than a lot of cars. 
So certainly at 130 plus, yeah. I'm but really yeah, pleased, yeah. mate. Really happy with the Duke. And as we said in previous episodes, you know, I've grown up with posters of Ducatis on the bedroom wall. So to have one in the garage, very pleased. The only problem I've got now, I'm going to have to spend the same amount of money again on T-shirts, fleeces. Um, I'm going to need all the Oxford Ducati kit, all of the Beweiser Ducati kit, the Araba Super, the World Supers kit. Um, but yeah, we'll get to that. But no, in short, brief summary and brief review of the 848. Yeah, really, really pleased, mate. Really happy. Yeah, nice bit of kit. Good, good call. Yeah, I'm absolutely yeah, delighted. I was saying to have that, get that instead of that Jixxer, didn't know. Well, that was, we bet, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you wanted me to buy the Jixxer. Oh, I think it's the right the thing, is, mate, for me, you know, you've got, as you quite rightly say, I like the minimalism. Yeah. Certainly of the Dukes, you know, probably not quite as much, but certainly the Ducatis. What I'm not keen on, and we're going to do an episode on this, but I'm not keen on, like, the Jixxer bro. You know, you've got the Road Riders with the Jixxer 600, um, tatty in all the wrong places, filthy chain, bald squared off tyres, covered in stickers. And you can tell because the flagship sticker, Monster Energy. Yeah. And they sticker the things up and it's covered in all bloody graphics and stickers and it's like it's like the Jixxer bro, isn't it? You know, and well, they, they absolutely smash it in a straight line around the road and... It's not my cup of tea. We always call them Christmas tree bollocks. Yeah. And the Duke's just entirely minimalist. Um, oh, it's gorgeous. I'm very happy with it. Less is more. Yeah, less, and that's the Italian kind of bike yeah. styling ways. And it, all the, the infamous Ducatis have been the same. You know, they've all been very understated in certain areas. Um, whereas you look at some of the, the Suzuki's, some of the Jixas over the years, the Hayabusa's. You remember that, that like, huge blooming Japanese writing and stuff all over it. It's just not my cup of tea. It's not for me. Um, So, main thing I wanted to talk about today. Um, Quite a few people have messaged me and mentioned about the podcast and stuff. So, firstly, you know, huge thank you again to anyone and everyone that's listened. It's, it's, awesome, that any, it's awesome that anybody wants to listen to anything we've got to say. Um, But, yeah, I'm really pleased anybody's listening. Do you know what? Loads of people keep asking me. I keep having the same conversations with people. Oh, I really want to get into biking. I don't really... Where do you start? I, I want to get in. I want to get a bike. You know, I've been looking at it for ages. I don't really know where to start. I don't really know what kind of bike to get, what kind of kit to get. So what I thought we would do is give the definitive or absolutely non-definitive, uneducated unqualified, non-ultimate guide to getting started in biking. Sound good? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, number one for me is go down... <coughs> excuse me. Go down the same route that you did. Yeah. Um, the... The, um, the direct entry. Yeah. Direct the, I, I thought the guys at the, what was it called? Yeah, Staff's Riders in Staff, Tamworth, I didn't mind. Staff's Riders, I thought they were absolutely brilliant. Um, well, so we spoke about, I think, first episode, we spoke about how you went about your test. I think first thing we should say is that's not how to do it these days. No. Um, don't borrow a bike and ride it to your test without a licence or anything else. 
But briefly, so, so the way I went through this, um, start with the CBT, compulsory bike test, to go and do, sorry, compulsory bike training, to go and do your CBT, you don't need anything. Turn up as you are with the clothes on your back and you know most training schools and providers will provide a bike, helmet, protective kit, etc. What we did, Dad, we sat and went through uh, about an hour or so of classroom talking about safety, talking about kit, equipment, um, you know, like CE markings of helmets and things like that. We then went through various junctions and road positions and basic riding technique. You went through positions A, B, C, kind of left, middle and right of your lane. About an hour of theory. From there, we then got taken up to a, um, a pad, a block of practice pad. It was a big school playground, I think, actually. And started with some very basic manoeuvres. Um, walk around the bike. Here are the controls. Here's how the bike works. Here's how you start it. Here's how you stop it. Here's how you wheel it around. Here's how you move it. Um, eventually progressing to getting on the bikes, getting a feel for it. Um, just getting a feel for clutch control. Pulling off, stopping, pulling off, stopping. Riding around in circles, basically. Then from that, on the CBT... He laid out some junction type scenarios and we practiced different turns basically. Um, T-junction coming out left and right, turning into a T-junction, um, roundabouts, etc. All done on the in like a secure pad. Um, once he was happy, we then went out on the road for about excuse me, about two hours, I think. Um, again, just riding around. We've all got earpieces in. We can hear the instructor behind us. Turn left here, turn right here, etc. A um, couple of hours riding around, back to the test centre, and me and the the other guy who came out with us. Um, yeah, both both had sort of passed, and basically after that, given a like a test certificate, an official test certificate, signed by the instructor, and that was it. That's our CBT done. Um, one hundred and ten, one hundred and twenty quid, I think, for the whole day. Um, but really good training. It was really good. It was quite interesting because I've been obviously driving cars for. 10 12 15 years whatever the the clutch control and stuff was pretty natural for me the the other young lad out on our cbt he was 17 <clears throat> he'd never driven or ridden anything with a clutch so there's quite a busy crossroads just up the hill from you um where our local pub is the ball's head yeah bit, bit you know a bit of a tricky crossroads bit busy we came down from one end and we were turning right and so we pulled out into the middle of the crossroads area to turn right. And um, I was at the back and this young kid in front of me must have stalled the thing five times. Okay. We're in the middle of the crossroads. Nobody's got patience for a learner rider. Mate, I was flapping it. I thought, if he doesn't shift here, I'm slap bang in the middle. Um, he eventually finally pulled off, um, gave it an absolute fistful of revs. Um, shit himself a bit, I think. The front wheel came up on the little one two five, so he absolutely shit it again. Grabbed the front brake, which didn't do anything. Wound off the throttle again. Yeah, a bit dramatic, but <laughs> I was fine. This kid was a bit shaken up, but um, he still got the pass. So I think what I say is it's pretty straightforward. Mm. So fast forward a bit from there. Then um, we had to do the CBT. It is a requirement. From there, we then basically went into direct access. So I paid a lump sum of money. And in that lump sum, that included um, all of my lessons, the Mod 1 and the Mod 2 tests. Before I did either test, I had to go and do theory test. Um, same as a normal theory. There's hazard perception, 
you know, the old, I don't know if you'd have done it. Well, hazard perception now, you watch about 10 video clips and you have to click when there's a hazard. So it's like an onboard thing on a bike, you're riding along oh, and... I had to do that speed awareness course a few years back, didn't I? And that, that there was something some of it on that. similar along and along. So you're basically watching the screen and then you next thing you know, a deer jumps into the road and you have to click. Mm. That's when the hazard is. And then it's a theory question set, 50 questions, of which you have to get 45 right, I think. But you can download apps and you can practice and train it and do all of that. So then the training, we basically, we, we moved up onto a... I think it was a 700 twin, an MT-07, yeah, um, which is restricted at 52 or whatever it is for the A2 licence. Yeah. I don't agree into that because I don't really understand it, but for the full, direct, unadulterated licence, we started on that and it was a very similar process. Started on a pad, basic manoeuvres, um, getting used to the bike, you know, practising some U-turns, emergency stops, etc. And then we'd go out and do some road riding as well. Same thing, instructor in the rear, do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. So I had probably three or four hours of lessons and then we went to do the Mod 1. Um, the Mod 1 is manoeuvres, so you're on an enclosed paddock again and there's various different manoeuvres you have to do. It's all very scripted, so we practised it. We practised the whole test numerous times. You start by re- wheeling the bike into a bay, then you pull out and you go through some cones weaving in and out. You do some figure of eights, you do a U-turn, emergency stop, emergency swerve, um, bits and bobs like that. The whole thing, mate, I'm sure took about seven minutes. Um, Done and dusted, up at Burton, no worries with that. Then it's the Mod 2. Mod 2 then is the road test. They're done in isolation. Reason being, if you book both, but you don't pass your Mod 1, you can't do your Mod 2. Okay. So we then went up for the Mod 2, and it was a road ride, out for about 40 minutes, riding around Burton City Centre, so most of my test was either sat in traffic or sat at red lights. Um, 40 minutes of riding with an instructor, following me round on the road, and yeah, no issues. And that then was me, done and dusted. Because of my age, and because of the bike I'd done it on, that was yeah. full licence for me. Um, so I could then go and get on any bike I wanted to at that point. So that was the entry and, and the test and everything else. I think, and I don't want to quote for any providers, but roughly it cost me about 750 quid for CBT, theory, mod one, mod two, everything. So next bit then on kit, what what would you say? So, Joe, sorry to just interrupt. I'm just sitting here smiling inside. Uh, just going back to that speed awareness course, which was... Four hours lost out of my life, which I can never get back. Yeah, I've done one. Yeah, good grief. Would you take the points now in hindsight? Yeah, I yeah, would. Yeah, yeah. Um, this guy, um, he, obviously it was his world speed awareness. So you had to have a name plate with your, your name on it. It's like being back at school, it was. And um, he's got his uh, his stick and he's pointing at the whiteboard. <laughs> and he, he flips it over to a new page. Does speed kill? So that was it. My hands come up straight away. Andy, uh, no, it doesn't. And he looked at me, a bit gone out. You know, I said, uh, I think you'll find, I think it was Keith. Yeah, it's got to be a Keith. He, he was a Keith. Well, they're yeah. all, well, sorry it's all the Keiths out there, but... Well, no, because they, they're all Keith Lard off the Peter Case, yeah. aren't they? The fire <laughs> yeah, safety officer. They're all Lard, him. Yeah. Mine was the same. Mine was a Keith. <laughs> 
So, yeah, he's pointed to it. Does Steve kill? Andy, uh, I think you'll find Keith. No, it doesn't. Anyway, I beg your pardon. I said, it's actually slowing down very, very quickly. That's what <laughs> kills you, pal. Everybody else started laughing. He just turned the sheet over and just going <laughs> out. His face never cracked. Oh, dearie, mate. Does speed kill? No. Lampposts do. Yeah, yeah. It was... Um, yeah, I did one, mate. Painful. Oh, the only cool. good thing about mine was that there was free brews and free biscuits. Well, I say free. It wasn't yeah. free because I had to pay 100 quid for the pleasure. Yeah. But I definitely now, I'd just think... I'd say, oh, bollocks to this. I'll take the points. Oh, oh yeah. I'll take six points. Yeah. I'll take a point an hour. But I didn't have to go yeah. to that. Oh, I was... Really, seconds away from eating my foot. Oh, it was dreadful, um, mate. Dreadful. I, I was just trying to bring some pleasure back into my life. I thought, I'll eat my foot. Well, I, um, uh, ironically, oh, I didn't get pinged on the bike. I actually got pinged in my two-litre diesel Volkswagen Tiguan family mobile. Oh, yeah. oh I did. Mine Clock doing 40 and a 30. Um, 36 and a 30. Yeah. Oh, ne- never been caught car. on the bike. No, no. Um, but so on to, our, on to our... Carry on, yeah, sorry. Non-ultimate um, user guide, start guide. Um, what would you say? You know, a new a new rider. I think a, a brand new rider on the bike, on the road, you certainly don't need a £3,000 set of airbag, tailor-made, race-fit leathers and all of this. But what, what I've only ever worn leathers, two piece or one piece. What would you say? Because obviously there's a lot of options now around textiles and all sorts, aren't there? I would be saying to a new rider, buy the best kit you can afford. Yeah. Um, do your research. I mean, everything is Googleable now. So look at something. RST, I'd highly recommend. I've got two lots of RST leathers. Brilliant starter kit yeah, as well. It's yeah, good value. And they're, they're, they're affordable. I think meet me two piece road ones, which are really good, thick, solid. If anything, slightly on the heavy side, but I don't mind that because, you know, they'll, they'll make a difference. Um, I think I paid about four twenty for them, which it's decent. It's yeah. brilliant, yeah. So yeah, um, whatever your budget is, go to the right to the end of your budget and try and buy the best kit available and research. Same with helmets. Um, you can actually buy gold standard stickers off the internet these days. So you can buy a fifty quid lid, stick a gold ACU gold sticker on it, and it's it's a top quality <coughs> lid. It isn't. So, again, do your research with the helmets. Uh, fit's very important with the helmet. Yeah. You know, you've got to do the old pull it forward. You know, if the thing's too big, it's it's quite dangerous and potentially could come off. So, well, I, I definitely agree with that. And I, I think it's horses for courses. I, I've got two-piece leathers, one-piece leathers, but then I've also got jeans, um, like a pair of armoured jeans. Mm. And it is horses for courses. I know people that ride in textiles. Um, but I definitely agree. You know, you buy cheap, you're going to buy twice. And not only yeah. that, hopefully you'll buy twice because of the comfort and the fit. If you're unlucky, you'll buy twice because you'll come off and it will carve up to shreds. Yeah. You know, I've seen tests where they've tested budget jeans and stuff and they're ripped to pieces. <laughs> so, well, The other thing for me though, Dad, I reckon it's... 
you know, you spend that bit more, you can feel the quality. And it isn't just the protective element, it's the comfort. Yeah, you know, it, for, for me, it's a massive one, Joe. I need to be comfortable on my bike. It's a safety thing, um, isn't it? Yeah. You know, can you imagine going out on track and you had a stone in your boot? Well, exactly. all you'd be thinking about yeah. every corner is that stone in your shoe and you, yeah. your kit should be the same. So I definitely agree. Buy the best you can afford. Otherwise, you will end up buying it twice. Make sure it's very comfortable. It's a good fit. Little top tip from me as well. Um, you will always pay a little bit more buying something off the rack in your local bike shop than you will online. You can find good deals, places like Sports Bike Shop. So a top tip from me, if you can get away with it, go and have a nose round some of your local shops. Try on kit of different manufacturers to get the right fit for you. Yeah. Because they're all different, aren't they? You know, I'm I'm a size bloody 50 in my Danish leathers. Yeah, it, it's not everybody, myself included, who can get something off the peg that's perfect. Um, no. It's just, it doesn't happen. So, but again, if you get some, oh, you know, they're not quite there. There's loads of um, people out there who'll adjust your leathers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's well worth the money just to have that comfort. Yeah. But even helmets are the same, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I've, uh, I'm an XL in helmet, depending on the manufacturer. Yeah, that's so it. I think Bell, I tried a Bell helmet on. A Bell helmet. Yeah. <laughs> Childish. I tried a Bell <laughs> helmet on, and, um, mate, the thing was so tight. It was starting to give me a headache after 30 seconds. I, I, I can't buy one of them. I tried one up, up at Sutton's, and I said to Steve, have you got the 62? It was a 60. He said, oh, sorry, Andy, he said, don't ask me why. Um, they only go up to a solid 60. Yeah. Uh, and I thought they're Just... American. They should be up to like an 85, shouldn't they, for all the fat <laughs> American. So that was quite... Uh, and I love the look of them. Yeah, um, they're gorgeous kit. I just couldn't yeah, know what to fit. Why they stop at 60, I don't know. But, uh... but then I use, predominantly on the road now, I use my AGV. It's one of these kind of Rossi replica ones. Yeah. And that's yeah. a perfect fit for me in an XL. So again, you know, if COVID allows and all the rest of it, try on different manufacturers. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Because you can always then order it online, but you know how the fit's going to be. But I'd also make, I'd say the same for boots. I've got quite wide feet. And the, the only time I've ever bought something blind, I bought a set of Danese boots to match my leathers. Mm. And honestly, they absolutely killed me because they were too narrow. So I've ended up going back to a set of RSTs, which are super comfortable. So again, try on, make sure it fits, make sure it's comfortable because there's nothing worse than being out on a bike and yeah. you've got a zip digging into you or your feet hurt. You know, it's going to put you off your ride first and foremost. And, mm. you know, you've got to be concentrating. You need, you need to be 100% comfortable and then you focus 100% on your riding. Definitely. Like you yeah. say, you think, oh, that bloody zip's digging in my ankle and I don't feel it. And all of a sudden, you, your focus has been yeah. taken away from what's in front of you. So it is very, very important. And they actually spoke to us about that when I went through my training and my licence. So, yeah, very important. Um, yeah, follow us for more top tips. Um, the final bit, and this goes without saying, the Grumpy Biker Show absolutely condemns arseholes who go out on their bike in shorts, oh, T-shirts, yeah. no gloves, vests. Don't do it, kids, for God's don't, sake, don't do it. You know, a don't, quick... don't even get me going on that one, Joe. Years and years ago, I, can't, I think it might have been Fast Bikes magazine, and they 
they actually did a survey and proved conclusively at 30 miles an hour, you, you only need to be on a scooter. You see these people abroad yeah. and the gravel rush is horrendous. 30 miles an hour, you come off in vested shorts and it was something like within 0.6 of a second, you're down to bone. You've well, gone through the skin. Skin's just like jelly oh, God, compared yeah, yeah. to tarmac. Point six of a second, and you're into bone. Then you know. Well, tarmac is incredibly abrasive, rock yeah. and stone. Yeah. That's the point of it. It's supposed to be grippy. Mm. It, look, if you don't believe us, a quick Google search of bike accidents in shorts and t-shirts will show you. I've heard horror stories about people in flip flops, mm. and they've come off. The bike's got caught over the top of their, one of their feet and they've ground all their toes off and stuff, you know, so don't do it. Don't do it, listeners. Whatever you do, um, we condemn entirely people that don't ride in proper kit. Shocking. Shocking indeed, mate. Um, might look cool and, you know, it might be ace and everything else. It's not. It's really not. You don't look cool if half your bloody skin's been scraped mm. off, do you? Right, last bit then, really, the bike. This is in some ways, the most difficult bit to advise on because a couple of my pals are talking a lot about getting into the riding and, you know, what they want to start with. We'll put it into context. What was your first proper, legit road bike? Um, well, it was my moped at 16. It was a moped. Yeah, right? yeah. And what about uh, on a full licence? What was your first proper bike? I had a... 250 GT 250 Suzuki. Oh, nice. Yeah, I never did know you had a GT. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. So, that the GT 250, that would have probably made mid to late 20s brake horsepower as stock. 27, 28, yeah. Horses yeah. Stock. Um, well, my first was the Millie, which a lot of people did advise against, to be honest. It was a big old bike, it's a V twin. Um, but there's a couple of things I would say to people. The first thing, without question, don't jump straight in two-footed to a big litre Japanese sports bike. I would absolutely, having ridden a few, they are absolute fucking rockets. And that's the first F-bomb we've dropped in the podcast, but it's <laughs> worth saying. Absolute rockets that will get you into trouble. If you're an inexperienced rider, get you into a hell of a lot of trouble. So I would say avoid a big litre Jap sports bike. Um, what would I say? I think fit and comfort, mate, again, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I jumped on the Millie for the first year I had on the road and I loved the bike. You know, it wasn't anywhere near like the litre Japanese type sports bikes. But I very quickly found it to be quite uncomfortable for road riding. Mm. You know, my back, my wrists, that's, that riding position, just for me personally, wasn't great. So I'd say sit on bikes, sit on as many as you can, feel for how comfortable you are, um, you know, get a feel for it. Imagine yourself sitting on it for two, three, four hours. Um, in terms of power and performance, then, Dad, you know, I don't know what you think about what you need on the road these days. I mean, for me, that MT-07 would have been perfectly adequate for a first year of a riding. Yeah, 50-odd off. Yeah, 52 brake. I'd say that would be a good entry level. I'm not sure how it works now because it goes on age, doesn't yeah. it, and et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, yeah, if, if you've got a full licence and 
you you know, you could ride anything. That'd be a great entry level old thing, NGO seven, yeah. Well I think even at that, even at fifty break, it's prob you're probably still getting naught to sixty in four, four and a half seconds, I would guess. Yeah. It probably you'll do a standing quarter mile in probably fifteen seconds. Oh, don't anger that, but it's still probably for the average bloke quicker than any car you've ever been in. Yeah, yeah. So it's plenty, isn't it? And I definitely think from my experience, you know, just go steady into it. Yeah. If if after twelve months you want to jump on a Jix a thousand or an R one, <sighs> you know, by all means go for it. But for that first year, get something that's because it's. I mean, even like the you know the old Bandit six hundreds and stuff, they're ten a penny. Mm. They cost next to nothing. You know, the the motor is pretty reliable. They'll run forever. You know, you can get a good year's riding out of a cheap Bandit, mm. and even that, it's gonna give you bags of fun on the road. You know, so you're not going to get left behind in your first year of riding by anybody. So I think the other thing for me, I mean, that the Millie, my first Millie was a thousand quid, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, it had been up the road, bit of a project. Obviously, I was buying my house at the time, so there wasn't much budget for a bike. One thing I would say as well, don't go up to your local showroom and get starry-eyed with, you know, the brand new, you know, whatever the latest bike out of the factory is, because new bikes are bloody expensive nowadays. I think you can't go wrong, 1,500 quid, because at some point there's every chance you're going to drop it in the garage or drop it on the drive or drop it in a car park. You know, it happens, doesn't it? I've dropped mine. It happens. And if, you, mm. if you've got the newest bloody 15, 20 grand bike, you're going to be devastated. If it's a 1,500 quid bandit, few spare parts off eBay, it's back together. Right. Job's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's a good call. And... Don't think you've got to buy a brand new. No, no look, look not. in the ads and, and check check some bikes. Don't buy the first one you see, which is very tempting to a lot of people. Yeah, yeah I'll take it. How much? There you go. Yeah, you know, do again. Do your research. Very important. Um, and if it's through a dealer, ask for a test rod. Yes, definitely. Uh, mate. Make sure you're comfy with it. You like what it does, you know, because it's, it's too common sense. To a new rider, it's probably not that obvious, but the characteristics of different styles of bikes are vast. They're yeah, incredibly different. Um, your sports bikes, wonderful on the big open roads and on the twisties. Ride the thing through a few villages, mm. stuck in traffic, you're going to hate it. Yeah. Um, you know, your big nakeds. Dead comfy, great for you know for really putting the miles in. Yeah, you're not gonna, you know, it's not gonna be as great at high speed or around the tights and the twisties. They're all very different, but even then, an inline four to a triple to a twin, incredibly difficult. Yeah. They're different yeah. again. The the way I can ex- try and describe it to a brand new rider going from a V twin to an inline four, it's like going from a turbo diesel to a petrol car. Yeah, a little oh, bit in terms of its characteristics. But um, all right. Oh, well, sorry, Joe. Just. Just to, to wrap up, one very, very, very important criteria. If you live in a terraced house, make sure you can get it up the entry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, depending if you're in the middle terrace, you're <laughs> fucked anyway, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Get one of them bike hideaway things that's a canvas roll-over oh, yeah, thing that says yeah. bike hideaway on it. Hey, imagine in case you, you can't guess what's you, in you, it. You bought it, driven it back home, proud as punk. <laughs> get it right, get up the footpath. Up towards the, the two houses, 
and all your mirrors and bar ends have gone by the time you get to the end of the entry. Well, it's like, I mean, you must have done it. Everyone's done it. You ever bought a settee? You, you get oh, to live to your house. Oh, bollocks. It don't fit in the <laughs> door. go in. I'm going to have to just yeah. scrap it. Uh, but oh, no, look, yeah. good, mate, good. I think it's a good general insight to getting started. We'll <laughs> yeah. do on another episode, I think, a buyer's guide. So I think there's yeah, a whole yeah. different heap of things to do when you're looking at buying. But um, yeah. but yeah, good, mate. And you know what? Hopefully, and certainly from from um, some of the people I've spoken to that have listened to the podcast, you know, there's quite a few people interested in getting into it and yeah, yeah, want to get brilliant. started riding. I think the final thing I'd say is the best things I ever did. I, I love my bikes. I love riding, yeah. tinkering in the garage. Yeah, it's it's. There's nothing better. It's, great, it's a great, great feeling. And even now, all these years later, um, you know, I'll, I'll pull the bike on the drawer and that little bead of sweat runs yeah. down me for and off, off my nose, drip. Um, and I'll, I'll put the bike away and I'll just take my lid off, take my jacket off, you know. Oh, God, I love that. It's great, Absolutely. isn't it? You can hear the bike pinging and as it's calling down and... Just a great, great feeling, you know. It's uh, and I, I still get that same buzz. Yeah. All these years later, um, it's a good circle to be involved in, isn't it? You know, it's friendly oh, you, people most of the time, and and everybody's interested. You, and, you'll meet some great people. Yeah, definitely. Mate. I mean, you can, you can go to the local cafe on a Sunday on your own. Yeah. Park up. And I'll guarantee you, somebody will come up with a cup of tea and a biting butt in, so... Yeah, oh, well, that's yours, boy, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I used to have one of these. And then, you know, are you coming up next week? Yeah, well, I'll see you next week, you know. Nothing better, mate. It's yeah, great, I mean, we've got a great group that we ride with, haven't we? Yeah, a lot of people, really. Um, and it's brilliant. We, You know, the, one of the joys for me is organising the trips. You know, that Wales one yeah, we did the other year. The was, Wales. Absolutely biblical. That was some great roads, and um, and it's all you know. At the end of the day, you get showered, changed, and go and have a beer and a bite to it. And it's all the Mickey type yeah. bands are in it. And the, you know, oh bloody hell, so then floors on the back of your helmet. And, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's all part of it, isn't it? And I just love the whole thing. You know, it's, uh, oh brilliant stuff, mate. Yeah, it's a great law. All right, good. Well, look, um, as always, thank you so much to. Uh, Anybody and everybody that's listened, you can follow us on our biking adventures and builds and projects on Instagram at AMJ Motorcycles. Um, Dad, final thoughts? Uh, I haven't got long to be honest now. I'm just uh, quite happy with everything we've gone through, hopefully bit of uh, sensible advice to anybody out there uh, who is listening and thinking of getting onto the bike scene hopefully we've nudged you in the right direction uh, and yeah go for it crack awesome. on all right well until the next episode uh, keep it tires down take it easy cheers guys <laughs>